Hello, 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 and welcome to this week's episode of the Big Hearted Podcast. Today is exciting because I interview Jason DeBacker from Family Daycare Queensland. He is the CEO of that Family Daycare Association. We had a fabulous conversation. We talked about the new government that has come in and we talked about the direction in which Jason thinks Family Daycare is headed and we just talked about so many things. It was so so lovely to have a conversation with somebody who really has a broad overview of what's happening within our profession from the perspective of somebody who runs an association. So he had some really deep insights and is very knowledgeable on family daycare. So I think you will get a lot out of this podcast. I know I certainly did and look forward to working with Jason again in the future. So without further ado, here is Jason DeBacker from Family Daycare Queensland. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Big Hearted Podcast. My name is Victoria Edmund, and I am your host. Our aim here at the Big Hearted Podcast is to nurture a community of heart-centred educators to change the perception and delivery of early childhood education and care in Australia, and ultimately around the world. We want you to be inspired by our guests and the topics we bring to you to think of new ways of being as an educator. We want you to feel a sense of belonging via this podcast so that you can engage any time of the day or night in any place that suits you. We want you to become an educator that delivers education from the heart, as we believe this is how we create great change within our world. So join us as we discover new ways to inspire each other here on the Big Hearted Podcast. Hello, hello, and welcome today. We have Jason DeBacker with us from Family Daycare Queensland, and I am so excited to have Jason. I met him a couple of months ago for the first time in person at an event that Family Daycare Queensland put on, and it was the first one after we came out of the bubble of COVID lockdown. So it was so exciting to meet and see people face to face so that's where I first met Jason and I was so impressed with the workshop that we put on distributed leadership within family daycare that I just knew I had to invite Jason onto the podcast and here we are today months later now down the track but sometimes it takes a little while for these things to happen so welcome Jason thank you so much for coming on to the Big Hearted podcast with us today I just wanted to start with you telling us how you landed exactly where you are right now. Yeah, thank you, Victoria. It's great to be invited and I really appreciate time to come and chat to you. And it was great to meet at the forum and start some of the discussions that we're going to have today. So I'm really, really looking forward to it. And I'm just to let everyone know I'm coming from Yagara and Turrbal country today. So that's where I'm sitting on. So how did I land at Family Daycare Queensland? Well, it was kind of accidentally. I was a bit of a sliding doors moment and I was only supposed to be here for a very short period of time unfortunately for our organisation. I came in to act in the position for CEO when Peter McNally was unwell. She'd led the organisation for a number of years 
and been around family daycare and supported the sector. And as you know, she sadly passed away not long after my appointment here. So what was supposed to be an acting position and a caretaker role to really support the organisation during that time ended up being something that was a little bit more permanent. A little bit unexpected for me. I hadn't come from early childhood education. I had worked in early childhood before and mainly in intervention family, you know, support services and early intervention programs and a lot of community-based organisations. I worked for Department of Communities for a number of years as a resource officer funding a lot of those programs and place-based programs. That was when the regulator sat the Department of Communities. So I sat beside the childcare team, I'll use inverted um, comments, but that's what they were called in those days. So I knew a little bit about the sector and a little bit about family daycare from my time in the department, but not necessarily had worked in the space. And prior to that, most of my work has been around health and community programs and really in the provision of services to people and a whole range of different programs. So it was a little bit new for me to come into the sector and a lot to learn. I mean, it was, you know, the complexity is probably the most complex and difficult work that I've ever been involved in but it's probably some of the most profound in the work that I've seen happening. The fact that the impact that our educators have on the lives of children, and you can see it over generations and generations because of those relationships that we connect, you know, with the children and the families that we're working with, is just profound. And to be working in a space where we actually you know, support children to realise their best outcomes for themselves through the support, through education and the care that we provide them. It's just amazing because I'm used to working at the other end and supporting people and, you know, when they're facing life challenges and issues later on in life. So to be working in this space, it really caught me and particularly around family and that connection to community and that village around the child and really fits with a lot of my ethos on how we should exist as a community and the way in which we should bring up the children, you know, in our lives and in our society. Yeah. So it got captivated pretty quickly. Yeah, awesome. Because when we get that right, when we get the younger years right, it significantly reduces the impact of, you know, disassociation from community and family and all that sort of stuff. When we can empower young children to be emotionally resilient and have reserves and tools and things to pull on, you know, an ability to be able to connect with their peers Mm. and Mm. have negotiation skills and all those rich things that happen in family daycare in such a unique way, in such a homely way, like Mm. like used to someone said to us the other day it's like the cottage garden like the cottage movement and I was like yes I love that like it just painted this beautiful picture of how it used to be in times past when you know Mm. the children will be home with the families you know they were educated within the home and this is probably the closest thing you'll ever get to Mm. that Mm. so you Mm. would really see the benefits of really having that solid foundation for early childhood and the difference that that will make going forwards in life for the community yeah yeah you probably experienced the same in that talking to adult children who've been in family daycare either as children of family daycare educators or 
having, you know, attended family daycare. Like they're a special breed of like of yeah. kids, right? Like they are really well connected and got those lifelong relationships. And they're yeah. just, yeah, it's beautiful when you hear, hear those stories about their time in FTC. And it always hits that soft spot, even when I speak to parents about their connections, yeah. you know, with, you know, family daycare, even 20, 30, 40 years on, they've got that connection. I'm really blessed that we've got a board off. We've got a skills-based board in this organisation, but nearly all of them have had that connection to their children going to family daycare. And it's just this way of family daycare just permeates and connects all of us and keeps people connected as well. Yeah. Yeah. There's such a slower pace to it. And I really value that. My background, I'm very much inspired by the work of Rudolf Steiner. So for me, having the ability to have that slowness in those smaller groups, which create better connection and deeper connection, it's so valuable. I don't see any other format that education can happen with that unique structure. And so it is, it is just so phenomenally amazing and I'm such an advocate for it. I remember when I was looking for care for my children, the thought process that I have, my son's 21 now and my daughter's 18 and a half. I know I don't look old enough, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so I remember looking and someone said, oh, why don't you look at family daycare? And I was like, oh, no, no, that person's there on their own. I really wish I had have gone and looked because one of the educators that we first took on when we started mm. was educating them in family daycare and I would have given my children to her at times yeah. <laughs> as they were growing yeah. up. Yeah. She was so phenomenal and just the most beautiful and I just mm. kicked myself mm. for having not had given that an opportunity and I think there's probably a lot of people out there that think the same you know and it's our responsibility in the leadership role that we're in to really get that information out there yeah so I just want to go I just pick up on that Victoria because we had we were doing some photo shoots recently to try and capture family daycare for you know some of the work that we're doing around our marketing and and whatnot because stock imagery just doesn't capture like it just that essence you just can't capture. And it's interesting because, you know, I've heard that, you know, comment before around, oh, the educators on their own and whatnot. And part of the photography piece we really try to do it and pick up is that they're not alone. You know, yeah. they have this support system of the coordination units and the services behind them that there's people there that are invested around, you know, children and the families and that educator. And you've got, the, you know, the parents or the family members, you know, of the children and the other children. Like it is a network. Yeah. It's not just that one relationship between the educator and children, as important as and, and as deep as that is, there's yeah. those wider connections that actually is the whole of family daycare and the context of which it exists in. And we really try to capture that to try oh. and dispel some of those myths. Absolutely. Look, when I went into early childhood education, my children had just started school. And so then I was doing my prac hours and then I did my placement and then I got a job in long daycare service. I was just mortified when I went in there to work because I had this ideology that, you know, it was that cottage style that every mm. educator mm. did value and really intrinsically got to know each child. But the reality of long daycare services, there isn't time. There just isn't the time to cultivate the same 
relationships that you can in family daycare. And that's not a dig at long daycare at all because those girls are in the trenches and those educators, it's not just girls, but those educators are in the trenches and they are busy. They are running. They are running all day long and it's very difficult to keep up, you know. And so when I was so disillusioned with long daycare that I was like, there's got to be a better way for children and family daycare landed in my lap and then I was like, that's it, I'm starting my own business. And, I, you know, nine years down the track now, I am such an advocate for family daycare because of those relationships that we can foster and create. And they are lifelong. You know, I just went to one of my first family daycare child's birthdays a couple of weeks ago, you know, and she's now in grade three, you know, so (laughs) these things. And they see my kids and, you know, they wave because we all live in the same community and, you know, they have no qualms about going up to my children. And interestingly, it probably has no relevance, but my son's, Grade one, two, and three teacher is now teaching at the school that mm. most of my family daycare children go to. And she said she can pick the children that came through yeah. my service out. Yeah. yeah, she knows. And she she said, you know, Tori. And they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, we know Tori. And, you know, and it's so obvious because those children are, you know, centered mm-hmm. and grounded and they have those little Steinerisms that I've, you know, planted many of those seeds along the years. So, I just want to circle back because I think it's really great for people to understand how Family Daycare Queensland came about and how long Family Daycare Queensland has been around and, like, some of the things that we're going to move towards within your, not your industry, but within your association. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, we're not far off. Well, we're just over 40 years old. So we started, well, the conversation about the association started back in 1975 and back in those days there were six schemes in Queensland and so yeah so the very first you know pioneer schemes that existed back then and in 1997 we formally formed the organization and the constitution was created and at that time there was about 12 schemes yeah right and the whole purpose was around bringing the services together to connect them and to resource them and and provide support to them so over the ensuing years, obviously, we've, you know, there's a lot more services in Queensland and the organisations really just moved through a range of different services in that time. So it was about, I think, in the early 2000s, it might have been late 90s, there was some support and funding that came from government to provide a resource officer, really to provide resource and support to those schemes. And that really kicked off the first employee for the organisation that was able to provide those services. So, and since that time, we've really run a range of different programs across lots of different areas, actually. So we had the resource support and we had an access and equity unit as well that provided support to services and to educators. And we established an RTO when it was a requirement for educators to complete their qualifications and for that to commence. So, We also have provided inclusion support programs over the time and even outside school hours care programs as well. So depending on the different opportunities that have come to the organisation, we've taken those on board. Since then, things have changed a little bit in that the funding for the resource programs was removed from government as it has for most advocacy and peak type organisations, which meant that a lot of our income is really driven, was then relied upon on our membership. 
And that's been a bit of a challenge for our organisation since then. So that happened back in 2006 to rely predominantly on member fees to generate income. At the moment, our membership is, you know, purely focused on services in Queensland. So those are the people that we have memberships with. So that's a very small cohort of people. And, you know, in this economic time, probably they can't pay the membership fees that would actually fund a true peak organisation to exist. So we supplement the cost of running our organisation in a couple of different ways, one through training and another one through the operation of enhanced family daycare, which back in 19, I'm just trying to get think about the date, I think it was around 19, late 1980s, 90s, we became a provider of family daycare services through consultation with the sector at the time as to whether we should take them these services on board. So when services and organisations said, oh, we're not going to operate family daycare anymore, we don't, you know, for whatever various reasons, and we've had numbers off them move out over time, they came to us as the peak to say, well, you take on the approved provider responsibilities and to run those services. So we've had a couple of models in the way in which we've ran those over the years and we've ran them as sponsored services. So services were able to continue to operate as they were under the umbrella of Family Daycare Queensland. So that's continued over the years with a number of different schemes joining up until about 12 different schemes that joined over time and they were rebadged Enhanced Family Daycare a number of years ago. We also wound down the RTO in 2018 when the bulk of the educators had been moved through and got their qualifications and we just found it was difficult to really compete in the market around RTOs to provide really quality, high quality education for the price that was on the market basically. We just decided that wasn't something that we could continue to do for the amount that we had. Like I said, we moved in and out of other programs like inclusion support and outside school hours care. But basically in 2018, we made a strategic decision that we would be fairly focused just on home-based education and care. We also operate in the in-home care space. So we operate the in-home care support agency in Queensland and Victoria. We do that on behalf of the Department of Education, Skills and Employment. They'll change their name soon. (laughs) So basically that service assesses the eligibility for families in home care because in-home care is available to those families that can't access any other type of care, and that's where the educator goes into the family's home. So really small group of people that can access that type of education and care. So we assess their suitability and eligibility for the program and match them with services, and we do that in Queensland and Victoria. So as an organisation, we had to look at who we are, where are we going, and, you know, what do we want to do? And we made a really conscious decision that, Home-based early education and care is where you need those sort of specialised skills and knowledge and that really any sort of diversification around from that really would dilute our focus and our attention. So we've always been focused on family daycare and support for our members and, and the sector. That's the core for why we exist. But we also, you know, support other home-based education and care. Yeah, okay. Wow, that's so many hats to wear. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And there's, you know, there's challenges between those three different areas because sometimes they can be at conflict in in their interests and how do we operate and how do we make sure that, you know, we were established for to ensure the success of our sector and to ensure that the support for services exist. And those other areas, and particularly Hands Family Daycare, 
is able to support the funding of those activities that happen at the peak. So, but that causes challenges within the organisation to say, well, should they sit there or should they not? And how do we all play nicely together and make yeah. sure that, you know, where that's not to the detriment of other services? And that's the conversation I'm really having with the sector at the moment to, yeah. to say, look, this is the history. This is where we are, whether you agree with it or whether you're not. How do we leverage all of that for the best outcomes yeah. for the sector? So we can support all services and all educators and have that impact on and the outcome of children. And it's quite interesting because we have the two businesses. We have the family daycare and then we have our online courses and resources and whatnot. And, you know, there were separate businesses. And it's often you focus over here and then this starts falling down. And so then you take all your focus over here and you lose the momentum over here and then you build this back up and then you look back and you go to pick up where you started and so much has changed and so you then have to change tact. And it's so interesting because I'm just relating this back to family daycare educators who are managing their own mm -hmm. families, they're managing mm -hmm. their home, they're managing their business. Some of them might be managing study and mm -hmm. other bits and pieces. So like there's skills that we can pull in and use across the board for all of us. You know, and it's important for people to understand that, you know, big services or organisations like yourselves too face the same things yes. that they do. And yeah. that we're all trying to find this level of balance through everything that we do. Mm. We're not always going to get it right. But, no. you know, being in touch with organisations like you and us and others can really alleviate and solve some of those problems for these people that they may be experiencing that's a lot of work. That's like I'm just standing here going, oh, that's exhausting. Like yeah, I don't yeah, know what yeah. I do, you know, in a day. I can't imagine what you guys all do. So you must have a fabulous team. We've got an amazing team, yeah. No, I'm really proud of everyone that we've got working with us and they really, you know, they're a committed, dedicated bunch to what we do. So, yeah, yeah we couldn't do it without it. It's interesting how you're talking about educators before because I often think about educators as they, they wear so many hats, aren't they? You know, they're the director, they're the administration officer, they're the educator, they're the educational leader, <laughs> you know, they're the cleaner, <laughs> they're the cook, yep. <laughs> they're, they're the, the business manager, you know, they're the marketer. Like there's so many roles which makes it so exciting and such a great opportunity for educators but I've never actually applied that back to, well, we operate in that sort of space too and the multiple things that, you know, we need to do. I mean, we're a mini regulator, you know, we're, you know, like a resource, you know, person, we're administrators, but all of those things that you're juggling at the same time. So, yeah. Mm. Well, good. You got something out of it already. <laughs> Oh, that's so funny. So you mentioned that you guys have some things in the works. What's coming up from Family Daycare Queensland? Yeah, well, I think going along that line of how do we start to re-engage, you know, we're, we're now post-COVID and we're in a, we're, well, we're, are we post-COVID? We we're, think we are. <laughs> we hope we are. Well, yeah, I mean, well, who knows? I mean, I think our educators are probably being impacted more so by COVID now than they were before with closures and not being able to operate when you've got, you know, family members and what not contracting COVID and it's probably the most disruptive, you know, for our educators during this time. So, we, you know, we're not past it. But, but we're certainly, we now need to move into recovery phase of yeah. how do we look forward and how do we change and continue to change and adapt and look forward to the sustainability of the sector. 
and that obviously goes down to the individual educator level, you know, so that we can be thinking about retention and, you know, how we keep people, you know, in it, you know, the roles longer, but also for services and the, you know, the sector more generally. And we've got some big challenges ahead of ourselves. And I think, you know, we learned a lot during COVID. I think one of the successes for us as an organisation is that, and we're collaborators, so we'll want to work with whoever we can work with and, you know, connect in and engage. I think we did that really well in COVID. You know, one of the things we did as an organisation was we're able to bring everyone together, you know, deliver information, engage around solutions, really move really quickly on those responses and collaborate and, you know, help everyone through that. I feel as though we've got a bit of a dip, you know, since then. We put all this hype of energy into that sort of collaboration and then we've all gone away and had a bit of a breath. And we need to reinvigorate that and come back and have that connection. Yeah. You know, like during the height of COVID, you know, a lot of our members were saying to us, oh, it feels like the old days now we're back connected with each other and we're sharing resources and we're sharing, you know, answers for things. And, you know, we had this real height of people being connected and, and we connected yeah. in different ways as well. And technology yeah. was a great way to do that. But I think since then we've had this bit of a lull. Like I think there was a bit of a rest period where people were getting that, you know, breath and thinking about, you know, what next? And I think for us, we've been thinking about how do we start to really maximise the skill and the expertise that we've got around the sector to bring people together to tackle some of these big challenges that are ahead of us. So we've been reviewing our membership model. Like I said to you before, you know, currently it doesn't pay for the costs of actually delivering the services that we deliver. But outside of that, you know, my board and, you know, we've established an advisory group that inform us on, you know, some of the direction we're taking is the board's really keen about how do we get more people into the tent mm. because that's how we have the biggest impact, yep. you know, if that all of, more of us are connected and joined. So we've been reviewing our membership model and looking at how do we actually expand that and how do we engage with more people to bring all of that expertise together because we're, I mean, we're not the experts. All of you guys are the experts. You guys all have the knowledge and have all of the answers. And yeah. how do we funnel that so that, you know, everyone is thriving? Yeah, yeah. And, and we can really build the success of all the services that we've got. So, and we, you know, we know the value of the peak. I mean, I've run, you know, figures to look at the quality ratings of FTC services in our, in Queensland as opposed to other states who have got that well-resourced organization that supports the sector so we've seen the benefits of it it does have a result in you know higher quality ratings if we've got that connection and I think that's something that Queensland's done you know really well so we're really looking to build that model so we can connect people more you know rather than through the traditional membership model looking at people might just want to connect like you did you know to one of our events you don't have to be a member to come to you know our events or how do we you know share all of our newsletters and our information to a wider cohort of people rather than just the membership so and how do we connect everyone so you can actually choose the way in which you want to engage around the peak you might not want to you know all of these you know bits and pieces of you know, support that, you know, traditionally people might use like the phone or the email support. You might just want to come to events or you might just want to connect with your peers or you might have a really good product that you want to, you know, like, you know, share with the rest of the sector and sell to the sector, you know, and could we be an avenue for that to actually occur? So really going back to a little bit like we are talking earlier about the village around the child. Yeah. 
how do we create that village? How do we all connect in with each other in yeah. that community? It's so amazing because family daycare, like you really can feel on your Pat Malone when you're a family daycare educator. You know, particularly if you're in a service that, you know, you might they might be the only service you can engage and you just don't gel with the people because they're just not your people. Yes. So you've got to get out and find your people and the only way to do that is to be engaged in the wider community. And I know sometimes in social media land that can be really scary. It can also be really distasteful. <laughs> You know, and there's some big groups out there in social media land where the culture is not one of promoting quality. It's one of, you know, showcasing and then having arguments about stuff, you know, and that's like I just, who's got time for that? Like I used to get engaged in that, but, you know, when I was an educator because I was really, really passionate, Mm. but now I just kind of see it and go, oh, I'd rather just find the people that are ready for high quality you know and that's what we do with our essential elements course Mm -hmm. you know it's a 12-month course that they engage with us and we do masterminds every month on different topics and you know just getting them thinking and they're finding this core group of educators from around Australia that they're connecting with the conversations that we have in our special Facebook group for that are just amazing but we want to do that on a bigger scale too you know and it's like where we have to I keep saying it this word co-opetition is where we work together not in competition of each other you know so yeah some people might go and purchase some of the courses that Family Daycare Queensland provides instead of what I provide and vice versa but you know what if they're accessing quality stuff who cares because at some point they'll probably circle back around and find us and you know and collaborate with us further and the idea of yeah sharing what other people do this is what the big hearted podcast is all about Mm -hmm. it's sharing and showcasing Mm -hmm. what's available Mm -hmm. for people and it's Mm -hmm. so important that we move past this idea of you know snarky competition because it's just yuck it's yuck we don't have to do that we have to support each other we all know family daycare could be perceived to be on a bit of a shaky Mm. foundation you know the only way we'll shore that up is if we work together that's right that's right well I mean it is if you project out the numbers if you go okay we're gonna have the decline in educators that we have had over the last you know four or five years you know in four or five years we're not going to exist Mm. So we do need to do something differently about the way in which we work with each other and the way in which we have supports available there for educators because a lot of we, you need to focus on educator re- recruitment, but we also need to focus on educator retention. Mm. And the best way, you know, for educator retention is giving them the resources and the tools mm. to make their jobs easier, to keep them inspired and keep them engaged, to keep them, you know, energised. Keep them connected because, like you said, it's quite an isolating role. That's a lot of what I'm hearing back from educators is I do feel isolated. And part of that could be that they might not just have their tribe or they might not connect with the people that they need to connect with that might be around their interest groups like Steiner or, you know, other areas that they can, you know, bounce off. So that's where our thinking is, is how do we get us back connected? and connected around those special interest areas and sharing the resources. And we've got to do that together. We've got so much expertise and skill within the sector. We've got to lean on each other 
you know, we can't be all things to all people yeah. and let everyone find their niche and, you know, promote that and let's support that. Yeah, because I tell you, the government's not coming to rescue us. They are not coming to rescue us at all. If we, like we were talking before we started recording, you know, like it came up in my Facebook memories today that four years ago we were in the thick of the CCS transition because, you know, who would have ever thought that transitioning the entire country on one day would not have problems. I'm not sure whose idea that was, but, you know, that was the most, up to that point in my life was the most traumatic thing that I'd ever lived through in my life was that CCS transition. Two years before that, they pulled all the funding. Mm. They pulled the funding two years later, CCS transition, two years after that, COVID, you know, and there's been a serious decline. There's been a decline in long daycare as well. Like there is a critical shortage of educators across the board. But if you're a family daycare educator out there now and you want to keep doing this profession and work in this sector of the profession, you need to get your skates on and you need to start getting your friends to come in and, you know, quality people. They've just announced that the requirement is going to be that educators for family daycare have their certificate three and are qualified before they come into Mm -hmm. family daycare. We talked about that being a possible barrier, but just in the thinking of all of this, as a provider myself, I really value when we get educators that come from long daycare straight into family daycare because their time management is really quite good. And that's not to say that family daycare educators that have never done it aren't good time managers because they are too, but there's just a different level of organisation that comes from someone who's already worked in the industry. So perhaps them going into long daycare and then transitioning into family daycare will have some positive benefits for us too. You know, we don't want them to stay in long daycare, obviously, because family daycare is the far better choice. You know, but that could be a positive, but it is definitely going to be a barrier and it's something that we have to overcome and work out how we can overcome that with the least amount of pain. Well, yeah, and think about, yeah, how do we recruit and attract those people to family daycare? I mean, I think, you know, we've been heading down this track for some time, even before this decision. I think Family Daycare Australia had their report around the next generation educators that clearly, you know, identified that the bulk of them are going to come from long daycare or from other service types. So how do we change our thinking in the way in which we engage and recruit, you know, attract educators there? Mm. So, and really think about things differently and innovatively to be able to attract them over. Because, look, it's a great profession, you know, to run. And I think, you know, post-COVID, we've all got, you know, a newfound respect and value for home, you know, as the market would, as a safe place, the safest place, you know, was to be in your homes. (laughs) And, you know, so we had some free marketing for us, you know, there, right? So... Yeah, but, you know, sometimes I don't think we necessarily calibrate the message around the benefits of being a family daycare educator all that well, you know. Sometimes we might market these are the, you know, these are the, you know, facts and the, you know, the stats around what family daycare is and whatnot, but we actually don't sell the essence of what it means to you. What are you going to get out of it, you know? Yeah. It can be financially rewarding. You know, if you structure your business correctly and you, you know, like, and you put good plans in place and you, you know, you 
offset all of your expenses and you and manage your tax well. Like it's a good income. It is. And you have that level of autonomy and around your own pedagogy and philosophy and you then see that coming alive in the children that you're supporting that you will get to see, you know, the product of your work over a lifetime. Yep. You know, you don't get that necessarily in other types of care. So being able to paint that picture for people, you know, particularly when they might be disenfranchised or overworked or whatnot in other service types to come and, you know, and experience what family daycare looks like. Yeah, it's exciting. Like for me, I just go, ooh, a challenge. Yay, how are we going to do this? There's always a way around it, Mm. you know, and I just see, for me, good always prevails and I just feel like, you know, the last couple of years, it's just been this heaviness, you know, and what comes out of a period heaviness is intense growth and change and Mm. I really feel like we are on the precipice Mm. because people were seeking family daycare out because they didn't want their children to be in with the hordes you know of hundreds of other children in a center every day you know and I think those values now there's so many more people that see family daycare for the benefits and the positives that it has than otherwise particularly when you know we see tragic things happen in long daycare settings with you know within a year of each other the same thing happening you know that level of distrust in long daycare is also there now too so we need to change these stories that we tell ourselves about you know how people are going to perceive us and we actually need to get out there and be that change that we want to see and really positively promote what we're doing And, you know, I just think there's so much opportunity for the individual educator to stand proud and tall in what they're doing because it's making a difference and it's making such a massive impact on the world. I'm part of an approved provider leadership program through the Queensland Department of Education at the moment and we had Catherine Mm -hmm. Hyden come in and talk and she said something that I've said as well, but I don't know if anyone's heard her talk, but she just commands the room and everything she says is like yep spot on and what she actually said was that you know we have a vested interest each single person working in early childhood education because the children we teach now are the ones that are going to be making decisions when we're old and gray and retired and needing care so we want to positively impact these children and the families Mm -hmm for selfish reasons as well and that's okay (laughs) we can do that too and be a little bit you know really having a strength and a connection to yourself and what you know is to be good for children because when you come from that place of authenticity and this confidence people will trust you more And people will then see someone who's out in the community who's confidently engaging with the children and they'll be like, oh, I want my child to experience that too. You know, what are they doing over there? That looks like fun, you know, and whereas if you're not being confident and you're not engaging out in the community, it just embeds those, you know, people don't even look at you, don't even notice you. That, That occupies my thinking a lot and particularly when we've been thinking about this model of, community and how do we collaborate more is that yeah I really want to spend a bit more time unpacking that because we've got educators with incredible you know practice with just exemplary practice 
that just don't have that confidence to acknowledge just how good their work is and then share that with other people. And so we've got this untapped resource there. I see it all the time. I see amazing, (laughs) amazing, blow your mind, you know, practice and yet the educator doesn't quite understand just how incredible what they do do and then to be able to talk about it and to share it and I think that's that untapped goal that I really think yeah. if we can do that yeah. and then filter that out you know to all the other educators and services yeah. and, and whatnot how much more amazing what we do you know that we'll be able to do yeah. we able to tap that resource it's that old Australian tall poppy syndrome You know, you stick your head up and there's 10 people ready to take you down. And I was having this conversation with an educator yesterday. Our service has been approached by the Queensland Department of Education to utilise one of our educators, that's the wrong word, to engage with one of our educators to do some promotion and marketing for family daycare. And I'm like, oh, this girl will be amazing, you know, and she was like, oh, no. My space isn't up to scratch. And I'm like, sweetie, if your space wasn't up to scratch, I wouldn't be letting you work. Your space is amazing. The investment that you've put into your space is incredible. The book work that you do is just next level. Like, and she was like, really? Like, and I was like, yeah, that's why I asked you if I could share your documentation on one of the planner pages that we have so that people can, and she goes, but I don't want people to think I'm, you know, like full of myself. And I was like, Mate, you should be full of yourself because what you're producing and the level of detail that you're sharing in your plan for your parents to see and for your own work, Mm. it's exemplary. Like Mm. it's really Mm. exemplary. And I think like educators, if you're saying what I'm doing is not good enough, just slap yourself up the side of the head right now, please, because you have to understand that this has to come from you. If you feel like what you're doing is not good enough, seek out people who are going to give you honest and truthful feedback and be open-hearted and take that on. Yeah. You know, start applying that stuff. We have to move past this tall poppy stuff because yeah. Yeah. it's keeping us small. Yeah. And it's and going to suffocate us. Yeah, yeah. And this is where I'm really excited by the work that Professor Sue Irvine's doing with QT yeah. and distributed leadership, you know, resources. And really, you know, supporting educators to see their role in leadership as they are leaders, you know, of their own, you know, service and their own practice, but also of the wider service and identify themselves as leadership. And this is what we're as an organisation spending lots of time thinking about as well, with leadership in general. Yeah, I talk about educators as micropreneurs. You know, they've got micro businesses. Mm. They are a business owner. And when you become a business owner, and there's two sorts of educators that I've come across. There's the educators who are running their family daycare as if it's a smaller version of a long daycare room. And that's it. They don't want to know about the business side of things. They don't want to invest in, you know, their business because that's always come from somebody else. They don't have a plan, you know. And then there's the educators who do have that little bit of business sense, who do have that little bit of savviness Mm. or who take that on and go, whoa, I'm running a business now. Mm. And when they start doing that, you just see them walk differently. You just see them own the space a little bit differently. You just start seeing this little seed of confidence 
And it's so exciting for me as a coordinator of provider to see these educators and to cultivate this within mm. my own team mm. and see them bubble, you know. And to me, this is what we do in Be Hearted Education is that we give the people the tools, like here's an idea, build on that, run with it. Does it work? Does it not work? Mm. What? Mm. Why didn't it or why did it? Can you do more of that? And seeing these people, their confidence and their own ability is starting to really flourish and grow. And it's so exciting to watch. It really is. And we just want to get this more out there because when we start having educators, and I think I said it before, but when we start having educators who trust what they do and have this solid, you know, they can stand tall and proud, this is when the shift for family daycare is going to change. Mm, so, yeah. Mm. Hey, we've got a new government in now. What's your thoughts on that? Just a little no segue at all. but That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, early days, I think. So early days. I think it's I watch this space, but I think we are probably in the best position we've been in for some time to achieve some change in the direction that we need it to go in, albeit we've got a really awful, dark economic future ahead of us. So depending on budget and where all that lands and the economy lands is probably going to determine how much we can actually move in this policy space, you know, particularly around resourcing the sector in the way it needs to be. But we've got, you know, I think first time in my understanding of history of a minister really pretty much dedicated to use the inverted commas Childcare, and she's the, the Honourable Dr. Anne Ali, is the Minister for Childcare and Youth. And the yep. youth is a very small component of the department and policy and strategy within government. So you can pretty much say we've got a minister that should be able to spend a lot of time looking and thinking about us and understanding us. So I think that's promising in itself, right? That we have that resource. And I think we're in really, you know, good opportunity to be able to inform her about the sector and where we need to go. And I think they're taking their time to unpack some of their policy, but also engage with the sector and engage with the departments around the issues that are facing us. So I think also the work that Thrive by Five have been doing in a lot of their policy work and their advocacy work is promising for us as well. And the fact that, you know, we've got some alignment there, I think, around values with the Labor Party and some of their, you know, historical changes around childcare. So I think it's promising, but, you know, we do have economic challenges ahead of us. So I think this is a time for us as a sector to really come together and to really build consensus from within the sector about what we need building those coalitions, getting the messages right, advocating to government, you know, right down to our, you know, MPs to try and seek that sort of change. So, yeah, I mean, that's probably, you know, don't know all of the detail or where it's going to land or where it's going to head yet. I think there's just a bit early days. Oh, definitely. I think moving towards having a minister who's actually used early childhood education herself and it got her out of a tricky position, she sees the value in it and I think that's a massive positive. There's also hopefully some kind of what's the word, comradeship being that, you know, she is a woman. I remember being under the influence of another male minister, Dantian, and just thinking 
you have absolutely no idea. You have no idea about early childhood education whatsoever. He had no idea when he was in the ministry, in the office for Department of Veterans as well. And having a woman, you just feel like, I don't know, it could be a woman power thing, I don't know, but I just feel like kinship there and that I have great hope that things will move forward. I just really want to stress to educators too, like, don't get so caught up in what hasn't actually happened yet. Like, let's stay in our lane a little bit and keep building solid foundation in our businesses. You know, some people, yep, it's probably going to affect some people, but you're going to have to make those decisions, you know. And I think if you've made it through the last couple of years, I think you've probably got some good skills there now and connections outside of your normal circle that you would have had prior that could actually help you. I mean, we will stand up and be, you know, not advising people but saying, have you thought of this? Have you considered that? Have you looked at this? You know, how about you start shoring up this side of your business? If people don't know their key metrics within their businesses, some people might even not even know what that means. If you don't know your numbers within your business, now I suggest that you start paying attention to that. Start really looking at your budgeting and all that kind of stuff. Like I think it's an opportunity for people to really We've had this life for the last couple of years where there's, it's just been real good times, mm-hmm. you know, a lot except for the last two years. But prior to that, it's just, you know, there's not been too much happening. Really now it's starting to, you know, look like there could be a bit of downhill action. As a business owner and you are a micro business owner, whether you like it or not, you are a micro business owner or micropreneur. You know, you need to know your numbers, you need to know your figures and you need to be confident in what you're doing and having a direction. So, yeah, moving forward, I just think don't get too bogged down in it, but take it as an opportunity to know those parts of your business that you perhaps don't have a lot of energy in. Get there. It's an opportunity. It's an opportunity to grow and learn. That's sort of how I see it. So, hey, can anyone join Family Day Care Queensland or is it just Queensland only? Are we like (laughs) doing the state of origin thing here? That's right. That's That's all the work that we're doing at the moment and I'm consulting with our membership and our advisory groups around how do we bring more people into the tent, basically. So, like I said, we've got a focus at the board level is that more in is better than less. And so we have started to make a few adjustments in those areas where we will communicate with people outside of our organisation to invite them to events and engage in that sort of way. That's how you ended up, you know, at the forum because we want to work, you know, together and and collaborate with everyone. So, yes, part of our longer-term goal is, is that there should be options for people to engage with us how they want to engage with So it might not be in a formal membership structure, but it will be through that community. And we do have place.org.au, which is an online communities practice where people can join and it's for free and you can participate in conversations. That was a bit of a trial into that sort of community space. It's taken us so far along, but we've learned lots of stuff about that. You know, we probably didn't get the technology right or the platform right. We've got to do some work around how people engage on that program. So whilst it's gone some way to sharing our resources and connecting people, it probably hasn't taken us as far as what we'd want to and really delivered what we need to. So we've been looking at that and how do we reshape that? But people always have the option to go over there and engage on place where you can find 
other educators or services and engage around, you know, conversations off topic. But, you know, we're looking to really evolve that through the rest of the year. We'll put that information in the show notes too so that people can easily find that information. You also have a Facebook page as well that people can follow. Do you know the the name of that one? Yeah, it should be Family Daycare Queensland. Okay. We'll also put the links in that to the show notes as well so that it's easy to find. And when our episode goes to air, Mm. you'll be listening to it right now. So we'll also have that all over our social media as well so that you can easily link in to find Family Daycare Queensland because they've got some really great things coming up. We didn't touch on those today because they're secret squirrel at the moment, but by the time this comes out, there'll be some things happening there that you'll be able to go in and have a look at. I was talking to a couple of the girls at the forum and they were sharing some of the things that were coming up and I was like, oh, oh, goody, this is going to be so much fun and exciting for family daycare educators. And the good thing about this sort of stuff is that it's able to be accessed by anybody when it's online. That's um, right. capacity so it's super exciting hey thanks so much for coming on with us today jason i really really appreciate your time and it's so great to connect with you and to be able to share the information of what family daycare queensland is doing and for people to know where you've come from too because you're not a flash in the pan you guys have been around for the long haul and there's so much wisdom and energy there that people can you know grab a hold of and use Did I ask you to come up with a last thing that you'd like to leave people with? No. Didn't I? Oh, (laughs) see, I'm terrible. I'm just going to put you on the spot. Have you either got someone that you, like, follow in the early childhood realm, like I have a total crush on Teacher Tom, or there may be a book that you've read or there's someone else that you follow or there's a little line that you live by, you know, do you have a quote or something that sums sums you up? (laughs) Oh, oh gosh, no, I didn't get this on my list. And like I was saying to you earlier, I'm an internal processor, so... Um, I'm sorry. I think on my spot for this. Well, and also I'm not particularly good with favourites. You know, people ask you, what's your favourite colour? And my mind goes, why do I have to have a favourite? Like, I appreciate all of them. And, in fact, I want all of them. Like, I don't want a preference one colour over another. (laughs) I appreciate That's okay. I'm sorry. I thought I had asked that question, but it must have been another email where I asked That's okay. Is there a book that you can recommend? Oh, look, there's, again, just trying to pick it off the top of my head. Look, I've had one from a business sense and educators may even like this one because I found it really quite helpful in my work. It's a little book called Atomic Habits. Do you know Atomic Habits? Yes. Yeah, and it's been really, and it's really good. It's good for both personal life and for business in building new habits and in implementing those. You know, like often when we get stuck in those things that we just, we know we've got to do this in our business, but we can't necessarily get into it and it basically talks you through the fact that people think you require willpower to change the way in which we are which we actually don't this is a systemized way that you can create it so I'm just trying to think of the author's name if you could put it in the notes I don't know why his name doesn't James Clear is his name yes and he also has a little email alert that comes out I don't know if you've signed up to Victoria it comes out once a week with his one two three with a couple of inspirational quotes and some tips on how to create new habits or to end, you know, habits you don't want anymore. So audio books, I always love the audio books because I can do it when I'm driving and I don't, you know, 
because at the end of the day, I'm too tired to be able to read. So you yep. get it on audiobook. So that's, yep. that's been something that's been helpful. But I've got it on audiobook. I haven't listened to it yet. So right. Yeah. I'm yeah. Heading to Sydney in two weeks. Guess what I'll be listening to? Nice. Nice. <laughs> oh, good. Look, it's interesting, you know, because I think sometimes there's a whole lot of behaviours that we get stuck in, you know. We've done it this way all the time. Someone, it was another podcast I was listening to, I think one of my mentors, Tina Tower, was, I can't remember who she was interviewing, but this woman was like, you know, changing mindset, it's easy. And I was like, "Uh, where are you going with this lady? Like sometimes I struggle with that immensely. And she's like, well, put it this way. When you were a kid, and I'm talking, you know, Anglo-Saxon kind of life here, Santa Claus, you had this utter belief about Santa Claus and you'd never met the guy, you've never seen him, you've just been told about him, but the minute your older sibling takes great pleasure in telling you that Santa Claus doesn't exist, how easy was it for you to just go, oh, he doesn't exist? Yeah. And you changed yeah. your entire mindset around and same with the Tooth Fairy, the yes. Easter Bunny, like all those yes. things, you know. Yes. You can change a whole entire belief system that's structured around a particular belief in a heartbeat. So changing perceptions and changing mindsets doesn't mm-hmm. have to be easy. No. That's a story we tell ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I'm a little way into the Atomic Habits, but I've had so many people tell me I have to read it. So oh, Yeah, yeah. it can yeah. make profound, profound differences in, in your life. And that's one of the things we're looking at in this new community, whether we can actually build book clubs, you know, to bring people together to share those sorts. It doesn't have to be just, you know, our day-to-day, you know, family daycare or early learning. We can be, we bring it, let's bring everything in that yep. can inform us and resource us. Yep, the four-hour work week. Ha! Game yeah. changer. Yeah. Game changer. Yeah. For yeah. me, still haven't yeah. finished it, but the things it oh, takes. Is it a book? Is it a book? Is it? Yeah. Oh, oh four hour work week. Oh, he taught me how to check my emails twice a day right. instead okay. of being always available because being inattentive ADHD, mm-hmm. I can just get, oh, I'll do that. And then I'm down the rabbit hole of that. Yeah. And then I'll go and do that. And then I'm down the rabbit hole of that. And then the phone rings and then. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah. So, you know, I only check my emails at 10 and 2 now. Yeah. That's yeah. it. Who's the author? Oh, he's very famous. I'm not good not, with authors. Johan Hari. Ed. Hang on for our work week is Tim Ferriss. Right, okay. And he's got a um, podcast that goes with it too. There was a book that came out this year, Stolen Focus by Johan Hari. And, yes, and he promulgates the value off a four-day week as well. His whole research and writing books as a journalist is basically looking at how people's focus has been stolen over, you know, generations and particularly with the advent of, yeah. Um, Looking at my phone. And and all the psychology, that's, yeah. And points to just how of a deficit we are at because of that stolen focus in all parts of society and the fact that we're actually, it's distracting us from, focusing on the big problems of hand and in some respects it gives a bit of validation to say it's actually a societal thing that we've created um, so it's not all of our fault but yeah challenges some of the systemic things that we've you know got in society like the five-day week as to whether you know moving to four-day week would actually help resolve that so put that one on your podcast or your yep. audio book list we'll put well. it in the show notes we'll put it in the show yep. notes and people can follow along see and that's again family daycare you can choose to do four days. 
Mm. Okay. Oh, you've got a few big bills coming up next year because we're all going to start projecting, you know, looking into the future at what's coming up because we're smart business owners now. You know you're going to have to buy a new car so you can pick up that extra day for the year yeah. and then yeah. drop it back, you know, yeah. down the track. So, yeah. yeah. Hey, Jason, it has been so good to chat with you. Thank you so much. I hope you've had a great time. Thank you. I have. <laughs> and, yeah, we'll put everything up in the show notes. And if anyone wants to get in touch with Family Daycare Queensland or Jason, all that information will be in the show notes. So thank you so very much. Yeah. We'll have to get this out and everyone's going to be so excited to connect with Family Daycare Queensland. So thank you once again, Jason. Great. Right. Thank you, Victoria. I really appreciate it. Thank awesome. you, everyone. Hi, friend. Thank you so much for joining us today. I hope you got a lot out of today's episode. When we work on our own, we can sometimes be in a silo. So having new perspectives and different ways of looking at things is vitally important for the growth of our individual selves and our professional selves as well. We love feedback, so if you felt compelled to share what you thought of today's podcast, we would love to read your thoughts. You can leave us a review on Apple Podcast. That helps our podcast to get out to the wider community. And the more that hear what we have to share, we think the better it is. Thanks so much, friend. We'll see you next time. Till then, big love. <laughs>